0: Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 98 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money, tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration around your business and your money. I'm your host, Rennie Gabriel. In past episodes, we spoke about how to understand the numbers from your business, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, how to track your money in five to 10 seconds, and what determines how close you are to complete financial choice and how to run your business without being in your business. Last week, we had Janet Fish, a real estate investor and business coach. And today we have as our guest, Sam Wilson. Sam is an active investor in real estate in RV parks, RV and boat storage, with experience in multifamily, self-storage, parking, and land, and he hosts the daily How to Scale Commercial Real Estate podcast and participated, a, correct me if this is incorrect, uh, in over $30 million in acquisitions in 2021. Is that is that right, Sam?
1: That is correct.
0: Okay. And Sam holds a bachelor's degree in business finance from the University of Memphis and holds his real estate license in Tennessee. In addition to his years in real estate experience, he also has a diverse background in business ownership, building construction, and management. Sam, welcome to the Wealth on Any Income podcast. Rennie,
1: thank you for having me. Certainly appreciate it.
0: Great. Well, let's get right to it with some questions. Okay, we've got an idea of what you do, but how about telling me why you do it?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's a great question. One, uh, I grew up poor, Renny. I mean that's that's the reality of it. I grew up poor, and when when you grow up poor, you learn to be scrappy, right? It's just it's something that, it, as hard as I try, it doesn't matter how much money I have. There's always that feeling of like, oh no, what if we run out, right? And so there's there's that inherent need to just, and, and I'm working on that. That's a, that's a self improvement area. <laughs> where it's like I have enough breeze I'm good. Um but you know that's uh why do I do what I do I guess because you know it's it's part of just being raised raised the way we were raised we work hard and you just keep working hard and um you know that's that's part of it. But what, my ultimate goal I guess is in this is not just to work hard but it's to develop time and financial freedom for me and my family. I mean that's the reality of it. I went went on a bike ride today in the middle of the day. I don't normally do that but I was just like it's a beautiful day. I, You know, maybe some other things weren't going as well as they should have here in the office. And I'm like, bag it. I'm getting on my bike and I'm leaving. Like, that's time and money freedom when on a Wednesday, I can go on a bike ride for two hours and come back all sweaty and be like, gosh, that was very relieving. So, yeah, that's uh, that's why I do what I do so I can do stuff like that and live my life the way that it um,
0: works for me. And and real estate does that. It does that for you. It does that for me. And it does that for other people who recognize you don't have to work for a living. Right. You can, you can have choice in your life. That's right. So let's talk about um, one of the most important things. I, I try and lead by example. I, I donate 100% of the profits from my online work to charity. Tell me, is there a particular charity or cause that you support? And if so, what do they do?
1: You know, that's a good question. Two fronts on that. One, uh, in the neighborhood where I grew up. So on the, this, we're getting into the weeds here. But on the general partnership side of our business, so we, we raise money from private investors and there's limited partners and general partners. And so the general partnership side, we partner with an organization in Indianapolis, the neighborhood I grew up in. is run by my brother and sister-in-law, very successful in business, but also a big heart for their neighborhood. It's a very low income area, lots of crime, lots of uh, just need there in that area. And so they run a youth ministry there they have a big giant camp right in the middle of the, of the of the neighborhood they've got you know everything for kids so it's really great to take part of our proceeds from the general partnership side from the acquisition fees we generate from income we generate and donate that to straight up so that is one thing i do which is really great because it's like oh i actually know the people running that it's my own my, own, my yeah. own brother uh and then secondly i have a big heart for i come from a humongous family um which is probably half the reason why we grew up poor because i had so many, <laughs> so many brothers and sisters
0: yeah. Um, but, uh, how how many, I was busy laughing. How many?
1: I've got five siblings. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge family, but it's, it's big enough. You know, there was big enough to
0: be concerned about grocery bills. Correct. Correct. And
1: five of those were boys. So it, um, you know, so we, we like to eat, uh, and a lot. So that said, I have a big heart for families. And with that, um, you know, the, the, the need in the foster and adoption community, it's really sad to see, Kids get split up. It happens all the time. You know, yeah. there's there's rare 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 occasions where there's an open home. Uh, If kids go into foster care, that they can find a placement for three kids to go in the same home. It just yeah. doesn't happen. It's like okay, we got three openings for one kid each home, and then the yeah. siblings grow up without knowing each other. My wife and I couldn't have kids. It's a long ten year story and heartbreak there. But spent spent a lot of time trying to figure that out, which never did obviously. And then uh, we said, well, hey, why don't we foster instead? And so. February 1st of 2021 at mm. eight o'clock, we got a call. And next thing we know, 30 minutes later, we're a, we're a, a, a two to five person family. Um, you know, we added three kids in the mix. And wow. it's, been, it's been a wild ride and they are still with us and probably will be for the duration. So how really cool. How old are they? Well, uh, when they came, they were five, three and eight months.
0: Wow. Yeah. So instant bless- family, man. Yeah, bless you. Bless Thank you, Sam. You. That is just so cool. And that's really what I want to say is um that's being philanthropic completely because it's not just about money, it's about giving up your time. And so that's fabulous. I still don't sleep. I mean, in the last
1: <laughs> seven days, I've been woken up as early as one o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's you, you bring in kids from a you, you would think it's all hunky dory from that point out, but it's not. They, these are children from a severe trauma and abuse background, and there's just there's a cleanup on aisle five every day. Emotionally, <laughs> it's just like, oh Lord, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> I don't have the skill set for this. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, well, you're learning it. You're learning that skill set.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Well, l- let's get back to business now, yep. and let's talk about who your target people are. Who who do you target to be clients, investors, or whatever?
1: Yeah, that's a good question and maybe something I haven't dialed in as tightly as I can. I mean, lots of different walks of life invest with us everywhere from people that don't know that much about real estate, people that want to experience what it's like to have hands-off investments, everyone from my own mother is an investor in our company and she's so elated with it going, oh my gosh, how did I... Again, you know, she's a prodigious saver, but not an investor. Yeah. So, you know, somebody that just doesn't understand it, but understands what, what it means to get an ACH in her account every quarter and go, oh, cool. That's mm-hmm. fun. Thank you. Uh, so, I, you know, have those people that come on board with me, uh, certainly have some more sophisticated and, uh, you know, some very sophisticated investors that, that are, again, producing revenue from other business or other income streams, but they have excess capital and want to deploy it. And they say, okay. And then, you know, so, that, so those, those investors come in. I also have groups of people who are retirees or people that are going, gosh, like, I don't want to be 80 and then watch my savings go to nothing just because the stock market took a dump. And the next thing I know, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to pay the bills again. So they want to diversify out of the stock market and get something that produces a, you know, a consistent income stream. Yeah, so that- lots of different profiles invest with us. Um, yeah, a lot of different profiles. invest. Okay. there's not and- one target.
0: And are you acquiring property all over the U.S. or primarily the South? Or I mean, where are you where are you in making your investments?
1: Primarily, primarily in the Southeast. So, and again, that's that's I mean, that's everybody's kind of breadbasket right now is uh, is the Southeast for real estate investing. It is, um, you know, the the, the temperatures, especially for RV resorts, you know, being able to not worry as much about freeze. Uh, not worrying as much about having to shut down seasonally, Um, you know, having more favorable just landlord tenant laws. Not that those apply to us that much because- Well, they
0: they certainly apply in California, believe me.
1: Maybe they do. And again, Uh, I, you know, that's not where I'm, we don't look there. So yeah, no,
0: the reason I bring it up is, you know, I don't mind saying this because anyone who owns property in California knows it is pro-tenant and anti-landlord,
1: right? Right, and that's one of the reasons we just don't. I mean, I just never look out there, and also it's outside of the it's outside of the the uh, the, the range where typically prices make sense. I was talking mm-hmm. to this about to an RV park management company yesterday about this, and it was like, "Hey, you know, where where is the range of where we can get the most return?" And we had kind of I'd narrowed my own band in, and I said, "Look, this is this is where the lowest hanging fruit seems to be in this dollar range," and they they confirmed my suspicion, like, "Yeah, that's." That's pretty accurate. So again, once you get into markets like California, I would love to be in the Mountain West just because that's where my, I kind of love the Mountain West and it's like, I kind of got my own personal affection for it. But again, your, your return profiles get skewed to the, to the downside to the point where it's like, eh, it doesn't make sense. So we we're mostly in the, in the Southeast.
0: Okay. So this is kind of a little off base question, but tell me about what your biggest failure was, whether it was personal or business. And I then what, what, I, what did you learn from it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never lost investors' money. I've certainly lost plenty of my own. And I'm not even sure that would be my biggest failure when you say failure.
0: I mean, well, you you talked, when when we spoke earlier, you saw, you said something about a flooring company.
1: And that's exactly what I was, the story I was going to tell you. So that I wouldn't chalk that up as a failure because I used that as a springboard really mm. for when the pandemic happened. Like I was like, hey, wait, I've been here before. I'm not going to be the same idiot I was a decade ago, you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's the, the beauty of, uh, of life lessons is that you get, you get chances to repeat them. Uh, you know, if you don't learn them the first time, life will find a way to teach it to <laughs> you again. Uh, yeah, and so when I smelled, I smelled round two, I was like, I'm going to do this differently. I sold a flooring company in 2012. Uh, it was a family business. I'd bought out a portion of the company and, I was 25, ran it till I was 30, knew it was time to move on, sold that. So I had a pocket full of money and time on my hands, which is a confluence of events that few people, I think, get to experience in life when suddenly you're like, oh, cool, my needs are met and I have time. I should yeah. have really, I should have just reveled in it for like a year and had a great, you know, just, just taken a year off and, and uh, had a good time. But coming again, you know, circling, going full circle to the story from uh, the beginning of our conversation, growing up poor, there's always that just like, Oh, no! like now what? now, where's my next meal going to come from? Where's my next again I never you know we, we were fortunate in that we were always fed, but certainly knew what it was to look around and know that everybody else had a whole lot more. so that said, you know I panicked, I panicked, and I floundered and i and I started investing in this and investing in that and trying all these different things and i just i mean i did not i did not perform well uh in that period, and I burned a lot of money and I burned a lot of time and energy, just mistaking activity for progress. And I think that's, uh, that was one of the lessons was like, just hit pause. When when the pandemic happened, we were investing in parking lots and mm-hmm. kind of a similar situation happened. We had just divested of our assets in January of 2020. Parking got crushed, mm-hmm. crushed in the pandemic. I mean, who was going to ball games? Who was going to night and weekend, nights out? Who was going to, no. even even the gold mine lots is gonna sound very, very uh, opportunistic, but the gold mine parking lots are the jailhouse lots. Because they turn over like three, four times a day, right? So you own a, you own a parking lot next to a jailhouse. Somebody's going in for visitation. They pay eight bucks to park. They're back out in an hour. And those just it's, it's churn. The, the churn is how you make your money in parking. Even yeah. those went to, to, to zero. Because no it's, it's all happening over Zoom. So here I was in, in March of 2020 with a pocket full of money and time on my hands. And our business just got hammered. And I go, hang on, wait. I don't own any parking. I have money and I have time. I am not going to freak out. I didn't. I didn't I didn't do another real estate. Actually, that's a lie. Yeah. I did I, I bought one house in October of 2020 because it was my next-door neighbor's house and he was giving it away and I was like, "Sure." But otherwise, I didn't do any real estate in 2020. I just mm-hmm. I just hit pause and said, "We're good. We're good." My wife and I took some amazing vacations. We we owned an RV and we just traveled the country and I I, you know, by and large, it treated me fairly well. and, and it also gave me a chance to recalibrate and go, gosh, what can I, what are the sensible steps I can take next and do it in a meaningful, methodical way versus, you know, the frenetic panic that I kind of went into in would have been the end of 2012.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that, that experience 10 years earlier made a difference later.
1: Huge, huge difference. So yes, that, that I would not, it, it was a failure of mine in 2012, but certainly turned it into uh, the, the learning lesson and, and uh, you know,
0: applied it there 10 years later. All right. Okay. Uh, another couple of questions. Tell me if there is a, um, a goal, objective, and outcome uh, that are achieved by the people who work with you, um, who follow your advice. And do you have the, an example of a case study as a story to illustrate that?
1: I would say I had an investor come to me that had made over a
0: fourteen year period, their financial advisor had made them six-tenths of a percent uh wait, wait a second, so that's sixty percent of one percent yes uh-huh oh yeah this my my wife and I had uh, someone like that years ago mm mm-hmm. okay, and that was while the market was growing. go ahead yeah well, the market's going going
1: gangbusters. they had effectively cleared a sixty basis basis point gain on an annual basis uh-huh over fourteen years and I just said what in the world so you know got a hold of that and within you know gosh three years we had doubled their portfolio and it's mm-hmm. like it you know of the, the course their advisors were you know all hunky dory when when uh, when i got on the phone with them and what you know mr wilson i understand you're working with so and so what can we do to how, how how can we help you mr wilson I'm like you can you can take this investor's money and you can mail a, mail it to the next custodian where they're going to deploy this in a meaningful manner and get a return on their in on their money that's what they're going to do so, you know, uh, I
0: still, still just laugh at that
1: conversation.
0: Though. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's sort of like, tell you what, how you can help, you can liquidate the entire account so that they can now earn some money on it, yeah.
1: Right, right, yeah, I think, I think that's the fun stuff for me. You just go, <laughs> I'm, I'm making a difference, You're, you know, because it, it, it is a difference. It's a meaningful difference to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is not, you know, they were just plugging along like, well, you know, we're just doing what they're saying, like, No. No, you're getting, you're like, we're not losing money. Yes, you are losing money. Oh, absolutely.
0: With inflation, that money's worth less than when they started.
1: Well, far less. And, and so anyway, that, I think that that's a fun, those are fun wins when you get to hand that back to people and just have them go, oh, thank you. I get it now. I now understand. So yeah, that's, that, that for me is personally very rewarding. Fabulous. Well,
0: okay. Let me ask you this: Is there a, a valuable resource that you could provide to people, or how they could get a hold of you to to find out more?
1: Two things I would suggest. One is I would join the and Investor Club, which is BrickettInvestmentGroup forward slash join. That's, mm-hmm. that's the link for that, and you can join our and Investor Club. You get notified of all of our opportunities. here, our weekly newsletter. I always put something out, you know, that relates to the market or relates to what we're looking at. Kind of just. It's a market synopsis. So that's one thing. And the second thing I would do is that I have a checklist, you know, it's <laughs> a, it's a checklist you can use for any deal. I am personally a, I'm diversified, not just in my own assets, but I also am a passive investor in a lot of other assets around the country with other sponsors, just like myself. Uh, with that, you know, I've developed a guide that will help you kind of narrow down your criteria. I know early on when I was looking to be a passive investor, there were a lot of things. One, I didn't know, and I also didn't know what I wanted built this checklist so you won't spend hours looking at deals, wondering, should I be involved? Should I not be involved? Do I like this? Do I like that? In 10 minutes or less, you can run through it, use the checklist as a guide and say, oh, okay, cool. Now now I know whether or not I want to proceed forward or at least, uh, or throw it in the round bin. So that is at brickinvestmentgroup.com forward slash
0: checklist. Beautiful. I'm going to make sure that those are both in the show notes so people can just click on it and end up right there. I guess the last thing would be last question would be: Is there a question I should have asked you that would also give some great value to the people who are listening?
1: Mm, Renny, I can't think of any. This has been a great a great time. Gosh, last question: What would you ask me? Yeah, I don't know. Get on okay, the phone with me, happy, happy to chat anytime with anyone. Talk about investments. People run ideas by me. What other investment you know they're getting into? Happy to happy to be a resource, not just on my own deals but on other stuff you're looking at as well. Certainly happy
0: to provide feedback uh, on what I see so terrific happy. thank you sam and and also thank you for having me on your podcast. It was certainly enjoyable. Thank you for coming on thank you well, and to my listeners, thank you for tuning in next week we'll have podcaster Mike McCallowitz, who's the author of seven books, including Profit First, How to Transform Your Business from a Cash-Eating Monster to a Money-Making Machine. You can listen to the Wealth on Any Income podcast on your favorite platform, and please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to know how books, movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to com forward slash TEDx you'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free 27-page roadmap to complete financial choice and receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or your money. And if you'd like to see how you can increase your wealth and donate to the causes that touch your heart, please check out our affordable program, Wealth with Purpose, on the wealthonanyincome.com website. Until next week, be prosperous. Bye-bye for now.